0: I will take care of business. Taking care of business every day. All right. So I think it's a theme on analog for the last, I don't know, month, maybe two months that we have to start the show with an apology. And today's apology is a half apology, half like woohoo, because uh, it is not Mike that is joining me today. Mike is uh, on assignment and he's on assignment somewhere where the internets are not plentiful. So we have asked a very dear friend and special guest to sit in today. So hello, Stephen Hackett. How are you?
1: Hi, Casey Liss. I'm good. I'm glad to be here with you to talk about things.
0: Yes, excellent. And uh, I wanted to start the show off by thanking you for appearing at a moment's notice. Uh, Just out of thin air, he just materialized. It was was amazing. Uh, Also, I wanted to remind everyone that the next episode of this very program, which will be released on or around July 7th, is going to be the episode where we talk about Baby Driver. Speaking of apologies, we thought we were going to do that before WWDC, and we didn't. So it is it is the next episode that we are, I don't know if we're quite pinky promising that we're going to be doing Baby Driver, but it's going to be close to that. So <laughs> so Baby Driver, yes, we recognize that, uh, what's his nuts, Nathan, uh, not Nathan Lane, the, the, he's nice. What's, um, it's a guy from... Baby Driver, I'm drawing a blank I know, now. I haven't seen it. The dude from uh, from the Netflix show. God, I'm the worst. I'm so y- you old. You were asking
1: the wrong Golly. person. I'm bad at this game.
0: Anyway, the guy that everyone dislikes because he's terrible uh, whose name is
1: escaping me. I that can't think does it. narrow it down in Hollywood. <laughs> Only slightly. <laughs> uh,
0: it, it, it's not the star. It's the uh, the old guy from... Uh, Kevin
1: Spacey is what the chatroom says. Yes,
0: thank you. Kevin Spacey. God, I'm such a moron. Thank you, chat room. Anyway, we we recognize that Kevin Spacey is a tremendous dirtbag, uh, but you can be a tremendous dirtbag and still be an okay actor and so we'll talk about that when the time comes mike and i but yes we are just putting it out there kevin spacey's dirtbag baby driver for next week now in order to start the show i thought this morning that we could kind of kind of take a page from hashtag Snelltalk. and i mm. thought to myself like what kind of alliterative thing could we do and sure. you know something like you know the daily discussion or something like that. And I was trying to think of something that worked with Stephen, like Stephen says is okay, but that implies more like Simon says, didn't really want to go that route. So what I came up with is Hackett Hears and Hears is in like hearing, like in a courtroom, right? Mm. And and the problem with this is when I wrote it out and then read it several hours later, it looks like Hackett ears. <laughs> it so does. The H just kind of falls away. The second H just kind of falls away. But our our hashtag hack it hears question for today. This might be a one and done. We may never do this again, but that's all right. Uh Stephen, what is the one true setting for a doc on your Mac?
1: Oh boy, you are really opening <laughs> a can of worms here. But the best part is I don't have to hear your follow-up that's because true. I'm here today and gone tomorrow. That is like true. a vapor. <laughs> I guess that's a verse from Ecclesiastes. Uh, I would say that the correct position of the dock on Mac OS is on the right-hand side of the screen, not the bottom, because you have less vertical real estate. So why would you waste it? Agreed. dock. I know that's where Apple puts it by default. That's not a good argument. They put it in the wrong place. (laughs) So I would say that it's on the right, and I would say that it is magnification off. I, I I don't hide my dock, but I'm not Ooh. religious about that. If you want to hide your dock, that's up to you. Uh, what you do in the privacy of your own dock settings is none <laughs> of my business. But uh, I leave mine visible because I drag a lot of stuff from the Finder into dock icons. It's just like part of the way that I use my Mac. So uh, I keep it visible, no magnification. And I'm not really picky about size. I have quite a few things in my dock, and it doesn't take up the full right-hand side of the screen. But it takes up most of it. My doc's, you know, pretty good size, but I have like a dozen things in it. So I think that the key thing here is on the right.
0: So I knew I was setting you up a little bit for failure uh, because I knew that you are a right side doc person. And I happen to be a left side doc person, but I thought Mm -hmm. rather than beating you up about that, because really, we ultimately agree that the bottom is not the correct answer on account of the aforementioned lack of vertical real estate. Now, this is Mm -hmm. somewhat, you can somewhat get around this if you use uh, Automatically Hiding, which I am a fan of, but you know, whatever, you do you. Uh, But the thing I thought we could, we, we could turn this back on me and you could beat me up for... I like magnification. I think ma- magnification is delightful, and I-, I think that it adds a little bit of whimsy to my doc that is otherwise kind of stagnant and boring. So you can uh, you can yell at me, Stephen, if you would like, but I think magnification is good. I keep mine on the left, like I said. The size—I don't know—it's probably larger than it needs to be. But magnification's for me, man. I like it.
1: My only problem with it is then the thing you're trying to hit moves out from under your cursor. Yeah, and that, that's that a bit like. fair. It does look cool, and uh, it, it is sort of one of the last. Like original Aqua, sort of mind-blowing things that still exist, right? Like that was a huge deal when they showed it off in 2000 or 2001 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still there, and uh, you know, I, I teach his own as long as it's on the not on the bottom. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, Genie effect, yes or no? That's my final question. I don't even know. Let's see. I don't minimize stuff very often. Mm. Let's see what the setting says. Uh, Genie effect, and I have. I do not have minimized windows into application icon. That's madness. Minimize it to its own little thing in yeah. the bottom mm-hmm. of the dock. Mm-hmm. Um, I have sh- indicators on for open applications because Agreed. why would you not do that? Agreed. Uh, and I also have show recent applications in the dock turned on. I actually find that incredibly helpful. And so I leave that on.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I like it or not, but I do have it on as well. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been almost a year since that's been a thing, right? Because wasn't that new in Mojave or maybe even before Mojave, but... Whatever it was, I've kept it on, and normally I like it. Occasionally it trips me up, but that's. I think if you're going to do that, in my personal opinion, you definitely need the uh, indicators when something's running or not, and I I happen to think you need the indicators regardless, as you said. But anyway, that's enough about the doc. Uh, I thought we could talk about, and actually you might have put this in the show notes, but I had the same idea. We could talk about WWDC because... For you and me, this was a very different and special WWDC. For you even more than me, but but we share some specialness. That's not yes. really a word, but we share some specialness uh, in that our spouses were with us for at least a part of it. So Erin's mm-hmm. uh, only WWDC trip in the past was when she was pregnant with Declan and left San Francisco the Sunday Before the keynote. So this is as all the Europeans are arriving or maybe had already arrived. And as all the Americans are flying, Aaron and I had gone into San Francisco a few days early to sightsee. And so she left like before you, for example, got there, Stephen, and before most Americans got there. And I don't think she even had the opportunity to meet Mike at that point, which is weird because normally he was in by then. But, anyways, that was her only experience was leaving right as it was starting. So, <laughs> uh, so, so that was that was it for her, and that was 2011. Or excuse me, 2014. I've been going since 2011, and this year she stayed. Aaron and I went in went in together, and she stayed through Wednesday, bright and early, and got to experience you know the first half of WWDC week, and that was really exciting. We'll talk about that more. But what was Mary's history, and and what what did you guys end up doing?
1: Yeah, she's never been to a WBC. She's been to a couple of like relay meetups. Occasionally we'll have one to Memphis if Mike is in town. But uh, she's never seen a live show. And the the London trip last year really sort of opened our eyes to the fact that we don't get away from the kids. for like just time for two of us enough. And mm. we've really tried to be more, more aware of that and more intentional about it over the last year. And uh, of course it's hard when you have little kids and it was really hard for us. You have a kid who's sick, but we're finally at a point where we can leave them with somebody for a little while. And uh, so we decided, look, we'll just do WDC together. And so she came out. We were there all week together. So she saw y'all show on Monday night. She she saw our show on Wednesday night, the live connected we did. And uh, it was great. You know, I didn't get as much time with her as I wanted to, especially because <laughs> this is my first year with press access from Apple. So I was extremely busy the first three or four days, but uh, I think it was a lot of fun. I think it's something, I don't know if we'll do it next year, but I think we will definitely do it again in the future.
0: Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do for next year either, but it was really, really delightful for me to have Aaron there. And it was funny because just like you said, we didn't have as much time together as I would have liked. And I kind of knew that going in, and I think she definitely knew knew it going in, but... I did not have a press pass. I'm not cool enough, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. That's what I was alluding to earlier. But, um, but Monday, you know, I woke up early. Yeah, we got into town midday Sunday, and we hung out with some people. You know, Sunday afternoon and evening. Then Monday, I woke up early uh, because I was on the Syracuse schedule to get in line for the keynote. Because you have to get in line early when you don't have a press pass, and you're waiting in line with John Syracuse. So I was at the keynote. And then I quickly met up with Aaron for lunch. We'll actually talk about that a little bit too. Uh, met up with with for, with Aaron for lunch, and then ran back for the State of the Union, and then ran over to like pick her up from the hotel room and go go to the uh, the ATP recording, and then uh, we had a dinner after that. And then Tuesday I was in and out of the conference and you know hanging out with people uh, when I could, including Aaron of course. And then Wednesday she left, so it was like you know, lickety split in and out. It was so fast for her. And I kind of wish she was able to stay longer, but you know, with, with childcare and stuff, we could only stay, she could only stay, but so long, but it was wonderful. Um, she had the time of her life, particularly Monday when she was by herself, no screaming children, including her eldest, who is yours truly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there was nobody saying mommy slash Aaron, can you do this? Can you do that? And, uh, I think she loved it. She was able to just relax in the hotel room and she went for you know a little run around uh, San Jose and then got herself you know late breakfast and And I think she loved it. And then it was, I think extremely cool for her to see all of us, you know, including you, Stephen, in our element, and you know, really kind of firing on all cylinders. And that was the first ATP she had ever heard because Aaron really doesn't have any particular interest in the things that we talk about <laughs> on ATP. So her first ATP was uh, the live one, and uh, she didn't fall asleep. so I consider that a personal victory.
1: <laughs> yeah take it where you can get it um yeah it's it's an exciting week uh, but it is a week that is utterly exhausting and uh and really busy so uh, it wasn't a great like vacation together no uh, but it is something that I'm glad that Mary got to uh, to be a part of and it's one that I think something that I think she will do again but you know maybe a few years. Down the road, I'm not sure she's ready for it again, quite yet.
0: <laughs> I feel, I feel the exact same way for Aaron, and uh, and I actually wanted to publicly uh, call out in a happy way. Uh, Mary was very good about. Um, you know asking Aaron if she wanted to hang out and, and offering to uh go with Mary on a, on a like a day trip um I think Mary had gone to the Redwoods or something like that and and it's so it just it turned out that Aaron wasn't available to do that because of the aforementioned limited time that Aaron was in San Jose but she mentioned several times to me Aaron mentioned several times to me how bummed she was that she couldn't go and you know hang out with Mary uh, and go on that little day trip so mm-hmm. if there is a Future uh, coincident, coincident. However, you pronounce the word trip between the two of them. Uh, I, I fully expect that Aaron will take Mary up on that offer if it's offered again. And, and I, like you said, it was just nice to not only have Aaron hang out with my friends that she doesn't get to see that often. So you know, now I, I feel it feels more like you know you as a great example, Stephen, are our friend instead of just my friend. And it's not that mm-hmm. you like didn't like Aaron. It's just you didn't know <laughs> Aaron. You know, it's just sure you, she was a she was a stranger. And so now between, as you had mentioned, between London and for Mike's wedding and, and this, I, I feel like Aaron's getting a much better rapport with uh, with a bunch of people that she's met at least once. And then there were other people like friend of the show, you know, Jelly, who um, who is a close friend of mine. You know, that was the first time Jelly and Aaron got to meet. And so they got to hang out some, which was really lovely. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I just really value any time, any time that I can get Aaron involved in this part of my life, because every other part of my life, It's us, you know, and in a small way, it's nice to have a little bit. That's just me. But, you know, Aaron's my best friend in the whole wide world. And so if if I can include my best friend and stuff, I want to do that. And so uh, it was really, really awesome having her around. And and I really Mm -hmm. appreciate that um, that you guys were were so kind to her, that everyone else she met was so kind to her and that uh, and that we were able to have a a really good trip.
1: Yeah. Did you find it embarrassing is not quite the right word, but it's the best word I've come up with. To see, to like have your spouse see into our our world. You know, I joke that <laughs> WBC is like the one, like the one city, the one week a year where we're really well known, right? And and mm-hmm. this year, even bigger than ever, I felt like. And I, I felt weird about that. Not that I'm embarrassed that we have like micro celebrity, but <laughs> it's the first time she's really seen it. And she's come to meetups and stuff and like people, you know, drive three or four hours, like play mini golf with me and Mike. And that's one thing, but like stopping to take selfies with people and sign stuff and like all the things that happen. How did you, did you think about that before Aaron came or while you were there? Were you self-conscious about that? I'm curious kind of where you land on that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. You know, it was a little bit odd when we would walk around San Jose and get stopped and, you know, people would say, oh, are you Casey? And then I would introduce Aaron. Oh, hi. And then they would oftentimes just go back to talking to me, which I felt a little bad. But I mean, why would they be, you know, they, they were, they were there to talk to me. Like, not that Aaron isn't interesting. Like, I don't mean it to sound negative. It's just that, you know, they were there to say hi to me and, you know, Aaron is kind of just a a ghost to them, you know? And, and so that was kind of, that was, it was lovely. Um, but it was also, it was kind of funny to have her see it, but it was also a little tough on not, she didn't complain about it, but it was kind of tough on her and that, you know, I, I felt bad that I was ignoring her periodically as I was walking around San Jose Uh, but it was also very cool for her to see it. She actually also had someone, an Australian fellow whose name I forget, uh, came up to her and said, excuse me, are you Aaron? I just wanted to say, you know, I am a fan. I really enjoyed what you, you know, your appearance on analog and blah, blah, blah. And, and oh my God, she felt like a million bucks after that. It was was, was like, I have a fan. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have a fan. And so, uh, I'm exaggerating. She's probably gonna yell at me when she hears this in six years, but, um, but no, it really, it really was a cool moment, uh, for both of us. But in terms of live show, that was super weird in the best possible way. And I found myself, I I found myself performing for Aaron more than I expected to. Like I expected Hmm. it was going to be a little bit weird to be stopped on the street and she knew what was coming. I knew what was coming. And so that wasn't unexpected, but for her to be at the live show, which I knew she was going to be there, but for her to be there, was a little bit funny because I found myself rather than like looking through the crowd to see the audience's reaction. I was looking at Aaron to see what her reaction was, you mm-hmm. know, because this was like the first time she could really see me in my element like this. And I wanted to see what she thought about it. And if she was laughing, if she was yawning or you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be. And so that I found, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I found it a little bit striking that it, I was less concerned with the audience as a whole and more concerned with an audience of one, uh, which I think is probably both adorable and also a little, I don't know, maybe not weird, but weird. Uh, how was, how was it for you and Mary?
1: Pretty similar. Uh, I definitely felt extremely aware of her presence on the front row during connected, but I really even more. So f- was aware of her presence at ATP when Marco called me on stage and, and y'all gave me the Mac pro mm-hmm. uh, a because that was a complete shock and surprise. And I was with Marco all afternoon. I don't know how he pulled that off. And uh, cause I helped produce y'all show. Like I was behind the scenes and doing stuff and I was like, it was really very surprising. And and i really felt uh a, not not embarrassed in the sense that I mean, she knows everything about me she knows me better than anyone else but uh sort of like oh this this like weird thing of mine is just on display in front of <laughs> everybody <laughs> yeah and that was a little weird um and incredibly gracious of of atp but uh and she amazingly had the 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 wherewithal because it took me a, a minute or so to get from the sound booth to the stage right because it's a long walk in the theater mm-hmm. and it's like gets down multiple flights of stairs and she had the um, the presence of mind to video it as I came out on stage and so I have video of the whole thing that I tweeted I think the next day and uh, so that was kind of cool that you know I'm not sure anyone else would have thought to do that she would know that I I would want that so sure. that was neat um, but during the the connected show. I was I was definitely aware of her presence, but I'm not sure I I played to her presence like like I think what you were saying. But I did have the thought because the connected show was a little rowdy, um, in, in places I was like, oh man, like she's really seeing like the most ridiculous thing we've ever done <laughs> as a live uh, as a live show. But I think she had a good time, and I think she sort of has a uh, a better understanding of. The size of relay and what it means to so many people, which I'm, of course, hugely thankful for. Um, But uh, it was fun. I I really enjoyed it. And it was kind of nice to it was nice to have time to ourselves, even though there definitely wasn't enough of it. But it was it was good. Thumbs up. (laughs) Agreed on
0: all accounts. Uh, Real-time follow-up, that Mac Pro, I will absolutely take one-third credit for it, but that was 100% Marco. I had no idea what was happening until it happened as well. Like, I knew he was going to give you something. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the faintest idea what it was. And so that was 100% Marco.
1: (laughs) It's funny, because when you listen back, you can hear you trying to narrate it. For the audience who's not there, yep. But you totally got overridden by what was happening. Yep,
0: I, <laughs> that is one hundred percent accurate.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh,
0: it, it, it was it was really delightful, and I'd like to publicly call you out, Stephen, for making so much of that happen. You know, we, you basically did all the hard work for relay and handed us all of the information we needed for ATP to just ride on your coattails, which was extremely kind of you. And so uh, I, I, I'm I glad that Marco took it upon himself to do something kind for you because uh, all three of us should have. So I, I will take one third credit, even though I don't deserve it. <laughs> um, we need to talk for a few moments about your press pass, uh, because that is something that is very exciting. And I'm not at all bitter and jealous about it. Not one bit, not, a, not, not at all. So uh, tell me, how is having a press pass?
1: It was, it was really exciting. I got it, you know, pretty close to the beginning of the trip, you know, basically just a, a few days before. And uh, I, I've, I've told the story elsewhere. I actually wasn't sure it was real. So, like, I copied <laughs> the link and put it into, like, a private Chrome tab and, like, looked at the certificate. I was like, okay, this is real. <laughs> Freaking out. Um, but it was, really, it was really neat. So David Sparks and I got in, and Mac Power Users had a, an interview with the product manager for the Mac Pro, that was on Tuesday, so we got to go to the keynote on Monday, have this interview on Tuesday, and then through another show, download, I had a day pass on Thursday. So I got to go to a session and, you know, see code on a slide. I was like, well, that's code. I'm that's a, a programmer <laughs> now. It's literally all it takes. And, uh, you know, bought a T-shirt. So it was amazing. You know, I've covered Apple and adjacent companies for over a decade and and as Relay now for five years. And so it was really it's really great to see Apple embracing podcasters. I hope they continue to do so. I am operating under the assumption that this is a one-time deal, and if I get it again, that will be really exciting, but I don't want to put my hopes on that because, you know, Apple PR is a is sort of a, a weird thing, and there's not a lot of visibility into how they work or how they think. So, I was honored and excited that they value Mac power users place in the community and that they wanted to partner with us on something. And, and of course we'd love to do it again, but, uh, it was, it was a real special time and the keynote was a blur. I mean, the whole thing went by so fast, but it was something that I, I will remember for a really long time.
0: Yeah. I'm hopeful both selfishly and unselfishly that, that you get continued press passes for really everything. Um, but also I hope that Apple looks at the wider podcasting community and, and kind of sprinkles, sprinkles that golden ticket around to other people as well. And that's a hundred percent selfish of me to say that, but I don't know. I, I feel, I feel like, you know, the Apple podcasting community is not small. It may not be huge, but it's certainly not small. And I feel like we deserve at least a little bit of attention. And, and I'm very pleased that Mac power users did get some of that attention because I think it is very well-deserved. And I'm really glad that you got a chance not only to see the keynote and also, you know, to go into the conferences you had said and experience that even just for a moment. Uh, it's it's something else. In a lot of ways, it's not that remarkable. You know, it's just a computer conference. You know, it's ex- what you would expect. But at the same time, um, it, it is cool to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to call out uh, before we move on, which we we need to do what a difference the lack of social policy made this year. So if you're not (laughs) familiar, if you're not familiar, um, the downtown San Jose area that we are in anyway is not very big. You know, it's a, I don't know, five or 10 blocks in any direction. There's not that much that goes on there. Most things close at like between 10 and midnight, which really is not that big big a deal. But when you're, you know, trying to hang out with your friends, it's a little bit frustrating. But right in between, kind of right, well, it was right on, on the corner near a bunch of the hotels that a lot of people use. And in between the Conference Center and the Hammer Theater, where we both had our live events, there was this coffee shop called Social Policy. We abbreviated it as SOPO. And it was it was very good food and I'm told good coffee. The service was hilariously terrible, but it was a really good location and had a really large patio where you can kind of gather and, and just hang out and see people. And for the last couple of years, it's been a really lovely place to walk by and just see who's there and kind of hang out for a few minutes. Well, they had closed what, like two or three months ago or something like that. And that space is vacant right now and i was listening to something i don't remember what it was that they that they thought maybe it was a hair cutter i don't know if that was your show or if that was uh, one of snell's shows but they there there was a brief uh worry that that a like barbershop went in there or something like that it turns out it's just vacant. <laughs> but what a difference it made in my opinion because it, it, there was no like one clear rallying point for all of us to just kind of loiter and hang out in and see and be seen and that really bummed me out did you did you find that as well or did you not really care
1: my biggest complaint around that is I hate that the, the lobby of the hotel became the hangout point. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I, I mean, I didn't, I stay in an Airbnb, so I got a scooter in or Uber in or whatever anyways. But, um, you know, the hotel lobby is just, it's, it's fine, I guess, but it's noisy. And, uh, and social policy was really busy the last two years, super busy, but it was, uh, it was nice to, that it was just elsewhere. So I don't know. Um, I imagine something will pop up. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in San Jose. She works at Adobe and she's like, you know, WBC is just one of many things that that happen downtown, right? Like Mm -hmm. people come in town and think their conference is the only one and that's just not true. So I think downtown San Jose will figure it out. But um, yeah, we'll see. It's a bummer, but I'm not heartbroken over it. Fair enough.
0: Why don't you tell me about something that is awesome?
1: Okay, so this... Episode Vandalog is brought to you by our friends over at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD based server in the Linode cloud, and you get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode is huge, they have hundreds of thousands of customers, and that doesn't mean that their customer service is bad. It's actually the opposite. All of these customers, including me, were, look af- were looked after by the incredible 24-7 support team. If you ever run into any problems, you can drop an email, give them a call, or just chat over IRC in the Lino community if that's easier. Whatever suits you best, Lino is going to be there to help. And they have super useful guides and support documentation. So if you just need to quickly look something up, you can. Their new management panel is now in beta at cloud.linode.com. And this is a new management console and a single-page application. It's built using cutting-edge React.js and is backed by their public API. And it's open source, which is really cool. And of course, they feature two-factor authentication to keep you and all of your data secure. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month. And you can go up to high-memory plans starting at 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode has a special offer for you as a listener of Analog. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com analog and use the promo code analog2019, get $20 off any Linode plan. And if you're good at math, you've already figured this out. On the one gig of RAM plan, that's four free months of using a Linode server. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose if it doesn't work out. But go give Linode a to try today. That's at Leno.com slash analog A-N-A-L-O-G-U-E and promo code analog2019 to learn more, sign up and make the most of that $20 credit. My thanks to Leno for their support of this show and Relay FM.
0: So a few episodes ago, I don't remember exactly when it was. We briefly, Mike and I talked about sharing pictures of kids on social media and, you know, Mike did the best he could not being a parent uh, and and sharing what his thoughts were. But since you were here, Stephen, you and I were talking privately, I guess it was just yesterday and uh, we were getting each other kind of fired up in a funny way about it. Um, That was actually a very hilarious conversation. But anyways, uh, I was curious as a fellow parent and... As I guess 150 percent of the parent I am—is that math right? Because you have three kids, I only have two. Regardless, uh, what is what is your thought in policy? What is your social policy? Ha, ha get it? Uh, what is uh, your po- <laughs> what is your policy boy. on sharing photos of your kids on social media?
1: This is something that that I've really struggled with internally and in talking with Mary about it, and it's something that's changed a lot too. So about a year ago. I went through my Instagram account and actually got rid of all the pictures of my kids. Like they're not on there. Okay. And uh, Mary's Instagram account is private. It's been private as long as I can remember. And, uh, nothing bad happened, but it was like, okay, I've got a lot of followers and I feel like I just need to scale this back. I feel like they deserve their own privacy. I feel like social, I really feel like social media for me is part of my job now. And I'm not sure I would be on Instagram or Twitter as much as I am if it weren't that I sort of have like self-branding and you know relationship stuff with listeners to do. For instance, I'm not on Facebook and Facebook was entirely friends and family. I did not allow any work stuff to come into Facebook and I got rid of that years ago and haven't missed it. So I feel this, this tension of, I want to respect my kids' privacy. I want to give them sort of a clean slate when they come to the internet at some point in the future. Uh, And uh, I treat Twitter and Instagram as outlets for work. And uh, so I I feel like it's not coherent to have pictures and things about our family life on there. Now, like I said, that's changed a lot over the years. You can, you can also see this change in me and what I share about our oldest son, you know, his health issues. We talked about this on the show in the past and other places, not to dive into that today, but, uh, for long, for years, we had a public facing blog just to keep people up to date. And about two years ago, I took it down. I archived it. I have it all locally, but it's not on the internet anymore. And we have a private blog that, you know, friends and family have access to that we update on occasion, but uh, it's not public facing anymore. Again, our son is older. We respect to respect his privacy, but also my audience is, is big and I want to, Make sure that I'm protecting my family best I can from that. Again, nothing bad has ever happened. But as a friend of mine w- said to me last year, nothing bad ever happens until it does. And it's like, oh, and, and what <laughs> that that conversation led to was we have security at big events now. Like if you were at the W C shows, both really and ATP, like there was security present. And not again, nothing bad happened. Not that we are afraid of our audience or we think we have some sort of You know, well, maybe after we argued about the doc, maybe someone's going to come after me, but (laughs) it's about, uh, prevention. And, uh, and so that's really kind of where I am on it. But where I really struggle with it is I do have friends and family and they don't have the problems I just described. They don't have an audience of, you know, tens of thousands of people. They're not a public figure in the the micro sense that we are. Uh, but, but all they do is post pictures of their kids. Um, first time parents are the worst about this. Just hands (laughs) down. And part of the struggle for me is even my family members who do this, thank God, they're never going to listen to this. um, I find it really frustrating. Like I don't necessarily, and maybe I'm just a terrible person, but uh, I just, I'm not sure that I need to see like 25 pictures of, you know, my cousin's kid every day on Instagram. And Uh, I have family members and friends who I've muted on Instagram, which is a great feature that's sort of kind of hidden. You have to long press on their story and then you have an option to mute the story or their post Uh, because I just, I just don't need that sort of like constant updating on the trivial things that happen in that kid's life. And again, like maybe I'm just a jerk. And maybe that's how, you know, if you're listening to this and you think that like, I understand, but um, I'm just not super interested in that. And And so I have this like struggle internally. I feel kind of at peace where I am with it. I do share on occasion pictures of the family on Instagram, but I do it as a friends only story. And my friends circle on Instagram is very small. Uh, It's (laughs) quite small. And I feel comfortable with that because I know who all those people are, but I don't do it past that. Uh, But then I have this other tension of seeing other parents do it. And I just can't help but think they're going to get to a point where they regret that. or their, or their kids resent it, which is also uh, a real factor here, you know. Um, it, these these kids that, that you and I are raising, and, uh, you know, they're really kind of the first wave of people, and you've talked about this, who are going to come onto the internet and they're going to have basically their entire lives documented by their oversharing parents. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know what that's going to do to those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about that. And I don't want to have that conversation with my kids. I want to have res- have respect for their privacy. And look, it's not that I don't have thousands of pictures of my family. You know, my photos library is busting at the seams of family pictures, right? <laughs> I took a bunch on Father's Day. We went swimming as a family. None of those are online, but I took a bunch of them. You know, what? my kids will have access to that. And what they want to do with them, that's their choice when they're of age. But I don't feel like I have the right to broadcast their lives uh, for them. And I struggle with people who do think they have that right.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And if you recall, both you, Stephen, and you listeners, my policy that I've kind of stumbled into is roundabouts of four years old, which is completely arbitrary. I'll be the first to tell you it's arbitrary. But roundabouts of four years old, that's when I started thinking to myself, you know what? Uh, Declan is... Becoming a person like, I mean, granted, yes, he's a person from birth, but you know what I mean? Like he's, he's got his own will, his own preferences, his own opinions, his own desires. Uh, and so not to say that a three-year-old doesn't, of course, but it's just for me anyway, something just really clicked around the time he turned four that, okay, this is a real honest to goodness person. And I think. In my eyes, I'm not trying to say I'm right, but in my eyes, you know, the stuff you do is like an infant and a toddler, like whatever. No, if you get made fun of that when you're 15, then, you know, whatever. I, I'm sure you could figure that out. But but once you hit four or five, six years old, then you're like a real honest goodness person. And and. I don't know. I, I don't feel like even though he's a person, I don't feel like he has the, the agency with which to make decisions about his privacy. And and he certainly doesn't understand what the internet is and doesn't understand like, Hey, Declan, can I put this picture of you on the internet? And he's like, what? Sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, so like I, I'm erring on the side of, of caution, which is exactly what you were talking about, Stephen. that I don't want to assume that he's going to be keen on me putting the entirety of his life on the internet. And I think I think I had a good four year run where I put some stuff on the internet and I think, I think I should be done now. And it's funny because just last night, um, uh, we went on a family walk in the neighborhood and I took a picture of Declan and Michaela and Declan's power wheels. You know, he was driving yeah, her I up, saw and down the, up and down the road and that one I took from behind. So you can't see either of their faces. And I did pay, I made that a public Instagram story because to me, okay, he's in a power wheels. You can't really see his face. Like it, it, it doesn't really give anything away. And and that is okay to me, but I've been very wary to put pictures of his face on the internet. And I, I, I'm less so with Michaela because she's a toddler at this point. And again, to my eyes, I don't think she really, I, I'm not as worried about an expectation of privacy when you're a year and a half old as I am when you're four or older. Um, but, but I agree with you in spirit, Stephen, that there comes a time, be it at birth or at four or at six or nine, whatever the particular number for your family happens to be, there comes a time when, when you really, I I think as a parent, it's our responsibility to restrain ourselves and leave that option to them. And and to your Hmm. point earlier, you know, if Declan really wants to put up a bunch of pictures of him as a four to eight year old or a four to 15 year old, I have a gazillion photos of him that I'm happy to share with him that he can, you know, put up a record of his life from age four to 19 or whatever. But, but at this juncture, I just don't think it's really appropriate anymore. And I'd also like to, um, before I give you a chance to comment, I'd like to double down on what you said about being on the receiving end of this. Um, you know, I, I, I like seeing cute babies. I think everyone likes seeing cute babies. Steven likes seeing cute babies. Sure. I don't necessarily like seeing 304 pictures of a cute baby every single day. You know what I mean? It's just it, it becomes overkill. And I could not agree with you more that even though I have friends who are some in family, some of whom are very dear friends or very, you know, close family members, that will post, you know, Instagram, not not even stories, just like Instagram posts where it's nine photos of the of a kid doing the same thing, like smiling ever so slightly differently between each photo. And I'm sure to the parents, those are important photos. I'm not denying that. I'm not trying to take that away from them. But to me as an outsider, I'm kind of like, okay, like I get it. I don't need, Mm -hmm. I don't need a hundred of these. So if we're jerks, we're jerks together. But, uh, but the other thing that I also wanted to bring up, um, which is somewhat unique for me is that I also remember what it was like to see pictures of babies when we couldn't have a baby. And mm. that doesn't necessarily stop me from ever posting a picture of Declan or Michaela, but it definitely, I think that definitely. Prevented me from being that first time parent because I wanted to be that first time parent that was like, Oh, look at Declan. He's smiling out of the left side of his mouth here. Oh, next picture. He's smiling out of the right side of his mouth. Next picture. Now he's smiling with his whole mouth. It's like, guys, who cares? You know, and so I think I would have been that parent were it not for the fact that I remember how devastating it was to see these infant pictures all the time and how that basically got me off of Facebook for a couple of years because I just couldn't, I couldn't bear to look at it. And again, I do post pictures of our kids. I'm not saying I don't, but I, Certainly did and do so far less frequently than I think I would have otherwise if we had just mm-hmm. been able to have kids immediately without any sort of problems. So that is sure. many, many, many words to say. And I would like, you know, certainly I would like to hear your two cents or further questions from you if you have any. But that's many words to say that I wholeheartedly agree with you. Obviously, every family does their own thing and what's right for them. But I personally think that, that you are taking the right approach of, you mm-hmm. know, either, either eliminating it from the Internet or, or in my case, just ceasing it after a certain point.
1: I think there's an angle too we haven't considered is that some people use these accounts and services as a way to broadcast photos to family who do want them, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. I put pictures on Facebook so granddad can see it. And my answer would be find a way to do that privately, right? Like, if that's your only reason, oh, I do this so my family can keep up. Well, A, like you're dragging a bunch of us along for the ride. And uh, you know what? There's a lot of really good options to do that. And if they're cross platform, there's even options there. You know, you can't use photo sharing, you know, the iCloud shared photo library stream, whatever it's called, Uh, do Google Photos, do something else. There are other options. Or you know what? What a lot of people do, and this is a good example, a friend of mine's wife is an extremely popular artist, a visual artist here in town. And she has, just so I get the... She's never going to hear this, but just so I get the number right, let's see how many uh, Instagram followers she has. She has... Uh, 29,000 oh, Instagram followers. My word. And what she does, and I follow that account because her artwork's amazing. We have some of it in our house. But she also has a private account for friends and family. And that's where she shares about her, her you know, family life. And I'm really good friends with her husband. I'm friends with her. I like their kids. And so I follow that account because I want to see what's going on in their family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really nice way of balancing. I'm looking through her artist page now. I'm not going to put this in the show notes because, you know, she doesn't know we're talking about her, but her artist page, it's just her work. And, you know, it's pictures of her doing her work in her studio and links to interviews she gives. And it's, it's what you would expect. And the uh, family account is what you would expect there. So that I think is a really interesting way to do it. Instagram in particular makes it easier to switch between accounts than they used to. That used to be a giant pain in the rear and it's easier now in the Instagram app to do that. And I think that's a really, I think she's come across a really nice way of balancing these things where she has her extremely public life, extremely successful public life, and she has her family stuff elsewhere. And I think that's a, a nice way to think about it.
0: Yeah, that is a really good point. And I'd also like to do a quick bit of re- real-time follow-up. So what we've done for Friends and Family is we did a iCloud photo sharing album, which which is what you were describing.
1: Yeah, I get, the name is it escapes me every time. It's,
0: it's terrible. But what we did, as, and this is when Declan was born, so this goes back five years now. Uh, what we did was we made it available via the web. Now the thing is, it is a base. It's it's security through obscurity, right? Like to guess this URL would take an act of you know some sort of deity, but but nevertheless it is publicly available on the web and this is important because Aaron's entire family is on Android and PCs and so what we did was for for Declan's grandparents on Aaron's side we just put a bookmark in their browser and said hey you know every couple of days go check out this link and there might be a new picture there and they've been really really keen on that and they've shared it with some of you know Aaron's extended family uh, none of whom are Apple users, and they've been super keen on it. And so it is not as nice as maybe like a Google Photos album, as you had said, Stephen, but it is an option and it's reasonably private and it and, and works reasonably well. And it works especially well if you have a family that's all in on iOS, because then you'll get like a push notification, it'll be right there in your photos, and that works super nicely too. But the, the whole Finstagram, whatever the hell it's called, I, uh, I echo what you're saying there too, that that is a really good like halfway approach.
1: Good. This seems, at least between the two of us, far less explosive than I thought it would be. So uh and you again, don't have to
0: deal with the follow-up.
1: Don't have to deal with the follow-up. This is great. Uh <laughs> no, I do want to if people have other solutions for this, I would like to hear them because relying on Apple or Google's one way, the fake Instagram is another way. Uh maybe there's something that they were missing. So let us know if you have solved this somehow in your own family. Cause I think it's only gonna get more complicated and and more difficult as time goes on. Agreed.
0: And I, I echo what you said. I would also like to know. So either, you know, send me a tweet, send Steven tweets, send the show a tweet and we'll, we'll figure it out.
1: Or, you know, fax it to Mike. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> Why
0: not? Why not?
1: <laughs> All right. We have some more to talk about. I'm going to ask you, I have some questions for you, mm-hmm. Casey. So prepare yourself. But first I want to tell you about our second sponsor. This episode of analog is brought to you by KiwiCo. If you have kids, you know how great it is when you find something for them to do this educational and fun. And look, it's summer break here for a lot of us. It's really important to help fill that time. Yes, And uh, coming up with ideas and planning projects can take a lot of time. You're already really busy as a parent. Maybe if you're like me, I really kind of like struggle to come up with fun, creative projects. Like I'm just not wired that way. And so finding ways uh, to engage with our kids is educational and fun is great. And that's where KiwiCo comes in. They have a selection of hands-on projects for kids of all ages. So Here's how it works. You sign up for a KiwiCo subscription, and every month you'll receive a crate full of exciting projects. And these crates are really well thought out. They have everything you need. You're not going to run out to the craft store last minute because you're missing something. They are fully like independent projects ready to go, everything you would need. And there are hundreds of hands-on projects covering our favorite science, technology, engineering, art, and math, so your kids will be learning is they get creative. It doesn't matter how old they are. They have crates for all ages. And of course, you can pause or cancel your plan anytime. So if you just want to do this over summer and winter break from school, really easy to do that. Uh, Casey, I know your household got a KiwiCo crate. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah. So when we spoke, Mike and I spoke about this last time, we had received our koala crate and koala is the name for the three to four age group, which I think is adorable. There's kiwi and tadpole and all these other ones. But anyways, we had received the crate, but we didn't have a chance to use it yet. And over the last several days, we have used it. Uh, And so I, I talked a little bit about the instructions. I have them here. I don't know how good Mm. that foley work was, but that's okay. But the particular crate that we got had a stained glass art, which wasn't actually glass; it was just you know like colored paper and stuff, uh, because glass would be extremely dangerous. But uh, you know, Declan was able to make like a stained glass picture, which he was really, which he really enjoyed, and he he liked that. But oh boy, did he like the cloud pillow and rainbow tote bag because the whole theme for this particular month was rainbows, and so Mm -hmm. the cloud pillow basically it was. You ever do you guys have Build a Bear in Memphis? You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. So it was kind of like Build a Bear, but affordable because Build a Bear is hilariously expensive. But uh, what they did was, you know, they gave you a pillow and some felt, uh, a felt like half circles that you could make a rainbow out of and so he was a, he was able to you know stick the little felt on the pillow and then stuff the pillow with the stuffing that came in the box and he's been carried literally all day yesterday he was carrying that around because he was so excited about it and then yesterday afternoon we did the rainbow tote bag and what was great about it and I think I talked about this last time is it tells you hey this is going to get a little messy and you know and then it gets specific and it says oh here's what's messy you know and then it describes where this could be a little bit not gross but you know like it could make a mess and so it's really good for the grown that in advance rather than being half cooked on this project and going, Oh God. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, he made a rainbow tote bag. So it came with a little tote bag and some squ- colored squares and he used, you know, uh, some, some water in order to bring the color into the tote bag. And he's carrying that around. So he was completely into this. And coincidentally, we had looked at this prior to them having sponsored and sent us a freebie and Aaron and I had been meaning to talk about it never got the chance but now having seen how much Declan loved it you know, this is probably going to be a thing for us at least through the summer, if not, you know, just forevermore. And there are, there are ones for, they have a tadpole crate for Michaela too, which is zero to 36 months, which we haven't tried, but sounds good. But yeah, honest goodness. Like the, the, of course they pay us to say that this is, you know, something that you should consider, but they can't pay me to say that Declan really, truly loved his koala crate. And if it's, if, if the next one is anything like this, then he's going to love that one too. So definitely check it out.
1: Change the way your kid plays with Kiwico. Visit Kiwico.com slash analog to get your first crate for free. That's K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash analog for your first crate free. Give it a try. Check out that first crate and see what your kids think. That URL one more time is kiwico.com slash analog. Our thanks to Kiwico for their support of analog and relay FM. So in prepping for this Show. I was thinking about uh, last time we spoke. It's been a while on the show, at least, and I realized that your one year anniversary of indie is about this time. So mm-hmm. there is a post on your blog. It'll be in the show notes, uh, published on June first of twenty eighteen. Uh, you have this great lead. I've read this. Um, I think you sent this to me before you published it, like a year ago, and I remember being very upset at how good your lead is. <laughs> um, it's very good. So, uh, I got ready for work. Like any other Tuesday, I went to work, met with my boss and spoke two words that will dramatically change my life. I'm resigning. I can think of only a couple other pairs of words that have had similar impact on my life. Coincidentally, both spoken by Aaron. I do. And I'm pregnant. Such good writing. It's infuriating how good that is. Thank you very much. Uh, and so I thought it would be fun to check in, you know, I think, uh, in one way a year is a completely arbitrary number, right? We're just (laughs) around the sun, uh, the same amount but i do think that we as humans have these sort of things built into us where we want to uh, reflect and think back on uh, what has happened and this seems like a good time so you're about a year into this and i kind of want to know what has been different than you expected uh, particularly in, in, in both categories both better and worse so what is what are some things that have surprised you
0: Yeah. You know, the, the whole announcement of this a a year ago was, was timed against WWDC. I I had wanted to be public with it prior to WWDC. So I could talk about it, you know, with friends that I was seeing at WWDC and so on. Um, and so, yeah, it's been about a year and to answer your question, you know, what's been different, everything has been different and it's been better for the most part and worse in some ways, but I don't know, like, that sounds negative. I don't mean it that way at all. I am exceptionally lucky. I am loving this new chapter of my life, and I'm hopeful that I can continue it forever. But um, it did not. I don't know that it really matched my expectations. In, I don't even know what I really expected. I think I expected that I was going to be doing perhaps some 1099 work. If you're not American, what I mean by that is some contract work, you know, where I work on an an iPhone app for somebody or, you know, iOS app for somebody for a few weeks, get paid and then move on. Mm -hmm. And I thought I might be doing that, but I I haven't yet. Um, Not to say I wouldn't, but I haven't really found the need yet. And I haven't found a project that I think is worth doing that sort of work for. And I didn't really know what I was going to do during my work time. And it's funny too, because... Looking back on the year, I feel like I floundered for like a month or two, which everyone told me I would. And I didn't believe, but they were right, including you, Mm -hmm. Stephen. But I just kind of floundered. I was like trying to do something productive, but didn't really know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to do it. And then after a while, I started getting kind of serious about the video stuff. And that was a different kind of floundering uh, in that I do think... It was work. I think it was worthwhile, uh, but I don't think it was ultimately the right thing for the long-term health of me as a business, if that makes any sense. And I do have one, I have a video of uh, about uh, the Tesla Model 3 and Model S that's almost done. I just haven't had a chance to finish it. That I'm going to release. I filmed a video about the hot rod version of the Alfa Romeo Stel, uh, Stelvio, which is their SUV that I tested a while back. I filmed it, I plan to release it at some juncture, uh, I don't know when. And then that might be the end of Casey on Cars, we'll see what happens. I do enjoy it, but it is an incredible amount of work mm-hmm. for n- almost no literal payoff and a moderate amount of figurative payoff, and you as a far more successful YouTuber can pr- can relate to this. Uh, I think you're probably much better at making videos than I am in terms of, you know, in terms of time spent to do so. But it is unbelievable how much more work it is than you would expect.
1: Yeah, it is. Video is exponentially more work than than just audio. And the the extra work, I think, is harder, the harder side of it. Maybe that's just from my perspective as coming from an audio landscape, like, oh, adding moving pictures, really complicated. You know, you have lighting and even the sound is really hard on videos. I've struggled with that in some of mine. In, in, in thinking about your last year, I think you're thinking about your U- YouTube channel correctly. I think you gave it a good run, and I think that you coming to the realization that this is not this can be fine as a hobby, but it's not going to be a, a part of my business. I think that's I think that's wise, and I think it's something that I'm glad you have done it, and I'm glad that you have uh, experimented with it. But I think that it is something. Uh, you know that you're you're seeing now kind of what it actually is, and that that's good. That's healthy.
0: Yeah, I I think so, and I appreciate that. I I definitely do want to stick with it as a hobby, but you know, there's only so much time in the day, and which sounds funny coming from me, but there's only there's only so much time in the day, and and I prioritize other things, uh, generally speaking, above making videos. Um, but then the last couple of months, I feel like more than ever before, I feel like I've really hit my stride. And the last couple of months have been dominated by vignette, which is, you know, this iPhone app that I'd come up with or come out with about a month ago or thereabouts. And particularly the month of, you know, May, maybe even bleeding into late April, I was Mm -hmm. working nonstop. And I'll be, I'll be honest, you know, my, I don't, typically work a full 40 hours a week these days, but I was working easily 50 or 60 hours for per week for the month of May to the point that Aaron was like, Hey, uh, am I going to see you before this trip? Or are you just going to be a ghost? <laughs> because I was just working nonstop to get Bignette out the door. And, and I say that right after saying I hit my stride, I don't mean that I want to be working nonstop forever. But I, when I say I hit my stride, what I mean is I found myself doing work that I feel like I'm good at doing work that I enjoyed and doing it with an urgency behind it that I didn't previously have. And I think that all of those are healthy things. Maybe the amount of urgency from may isn't healthy, but a general urgency I think is healthy if that makes any sense at all. And so I really feel like I've done better recently at having a really true work-life balance and having something that having something that fills my quote unquote working time that I think is, that is worth my, the worth my time, you know, that, that, that juice is worth the squeeze. And I don't know if Vignette is going to keep me going forever, probably not. I don't know if it's even going to keep me going through the end of the year. I don't currently have any other ideas in the hopper in terms of iOS apps, but At least for now, I'm going to keep plugging away on vignette and seeing if I can add some features that'll get me, you know, a few more sales and a little bit more interest and see where that takes me. And it may end up that it will be like the YouTube videos where, you know, I kind of put it on life support and I, you know, I do, I do a YouTube video from time to time to keep myself entertained. Maybe I work on vignette from time to time just to keep it modern and and accessible. But, you know, maybe I end up doing something else soon. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. But, uh, but all told, I I cannot begin to express how thankful I am that this is the life I'm able to lead, and that is in no small part uh, because of the people who listen to this show, the people who listen to ATP, and the, and especially the people that that are Relay FM members, uh, Relay.fm FM uh, FM slash membership, and doubly mm-hmm. so those who choose to contribute, you know, specifically to Analog. Um, that 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 is a noticeable difference each month, and it helps, and and I'm. Extremely appreciative of it. And I don't know if I ever actually said anything on the show, come to think of it, but there was a not insignificant, in fact, a fairly significant uptick in, in analog membership from my end, at least when this was announced a year ago and of course it's dropped off but not near as much as i would have expected so um it's because of you listeners both those who contribute financially and those who do not that i'm able to live this life that i'm extremely lucky and blessed to be leading and so what's been better what have i been surprised by and what's been better you know I, i've been surprised by uh how wonderful it is to be able to say no to work from time to time and get away with it so as mm-hmm. an example. Uh, my parents have been wanting to take, uh, the kids and, you know, they offered for Aaron and I to come too to this tractor museum that's South of Richmond. And, uh, as I sit here recording this, the plan is tomorrow morning, which is typically when I'm doing work, we're going to go the, the four of us and my parents to this tractor museum. And uh, dad said to me, you know, when we were talking, my dad said to me when we were talking about it, can, can you take the time off work? And I didn't even think about it. And I said, dad, I work when I want to. And, Mm -hmm. and that, like that moment of, oh, like not to say I blow off work all the time, but the fact that I can blow off work for, you know, a half day just cause. Like, that's really cool. And not everyone is like that. Like, I don't know if, Stephen, you could just blow off work for half a day and get away with it without there being a little bit of trickle down. And and as another example, like, Mike accidentally had to blow off basically a week of work this week, which certainly Mm -hmm. was not his desire. That was not his plan at all, but it so happened. And that's had a little bit of trickle down on you, Stephen, amongst others. But, but nevertheless, I think if you said to Mike, you know, hey, I really, I really want to take Wednesday morning off, I, I, feel like and you would be able to get away with that. And that is extremely empowering and very, very cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's something that I've had to learn as well. And um I mean our, our workloads I think are very different just because I touch many more projects than you yeah. do. Oh
0: a hundred percent.
1: And like two companies. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh but but even then I have done better over time at doing this exact thing and pulling away from uh from work on a, on a more sort of realistic basis, you know, something we're talking about, it's talking for a different time, but starting in a couple of years, like we're going to have kids in different schools because as, as they age and the two schools are going to be in start at the exact same time. And, you know, we're talking about this. It's, it's a, a year or two out still. I was like, you know, I can just rearrange stuff and I'll, you know, I'll take these kids to this school every day and you take those kids to that school every day and it'll be fine. Like I have that flexibility. Yeah. Well, you're right. It totally takes time to get used to that and to, to find the balance in all of it. I think what you and I spoke about a year ago was the, the, the idea of balance. And the mistake I made was I worked way too much when I quit my job. And, uh, part of it was Relay had a lot of things that needed me to do, like said membership program. That was my first big project. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I quit my job, I quit my job in July-ish and the membership was up in December. And, in hindsight, that was crazy fast because it's extremely complicated. And I've learned over time that my job doesn't need to be 60 hours a week. Um, but I've also learned too that there are times where work does need that. And I do need to kind of buckle down and focus on work and then I can give um, future Steven some time off, you know, the week after, you know, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. this past week, we're talking about recovering from WBC, right? Like I'm sure like many people, I came back just a pile of stuff that was undone because I've been traveling for a week. And mm. uh, so I got, you know, last week was really hectic. And, you know, Friday, this fr- coming Friday, actually, I'm taking the day off and, you know, taking my truck to the shop, helping my dad with some repairs on a house he's working on, like going to have some time away from the office. And uh, and that's nice to be able to do that because honestly, it's one of the reasons that people go indie, right? Like I'm going to spend more time with my family. It's like, well, that was Are a you, lie because I actually haven't done it, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. No, I I completely agree with you, and and it's funny, it's funny how quickly I've become uh, acclimated and adjusted to indie life. In the sense that I don't blow off work very often. Like I, I I am able to tomorrow, and and I'm choosing to tomorrow. But generally speaking, I am when when it's my working hours. You know, I'm pretty good about doing doing work. However, the one thing that I think is hilarious that Aaron had told me I was going to get ruined, and I was like, oh, whatever, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, and then she was completely right, is that, you know, Aaron's been home with the kids for since Declan was born, so it's been almost five years now, and you know i was still working up until a year ago with a traditional job and what she would tell me is you know if i wanted to go to some store like say target or sam's or costco or something on the weekend she would look at me and just kind of shake her head like no please no please no 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 Can, i'll i'll do it during the week please no and i never really mm-hmm. understood why this was such a problem and then i went to costco on a weekday morning or a weekday mm-hmm. afternoon when it was me and all the retired people. And it was amazing because, oh my goodness, I can't speak for Memphis, but here in the suburbs of Richmond, everyone is just, just swarms to all the shopping areas over the weekend. You know, both the like for fun shopping, like, you know, maybe the mall and the, you know, the compulsory shopping, like Costco's and Kroger's of the world. Mm -hmm. But oh my goodness, when we have to go somewhere on the weekend, it's like, oh, do we have to? Aaron, can we do this another time? Do we have to go this weekend? You know, it's just hilarious yep. how badly Same. I got ruined by being mm-hmm. able to go out during the week. And this actually, this is a, something I, I come to think about. I'd like to hear your two thoughts, uh, two cents about, two thoughts. There you go. Your two cents about is, um, you know, Declan, his upcoming school year will be his last year of preschool. And we're actually going to be going on a vacation. During uh, the the very small stretch of time between when regular school starts and when preschool starts, because the regular school starts a little bit early, but it occurred to me that starting not this coming year, but not this coming school year, but the next school year, we can't do what we've always done, which is just decide to go on a vacation when school is in session. You know, so this way it's 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 so much less busy, no matter what tourist. Place you're looking at, be it the beach, be it Disney World, be it whatever, it's so much less busy when school is in session. And it occurred to me, oh God, I'm not going to have that luxury anymore. And that mm-hmm. really kind of bums me out. Like, how did, well, I guess you were working at the time when your kids, well, no, Jude is about the same age as Declan.
1: So, yeah, Jude was born a month after we started Relay. Okay. <laughs> which was
0: <laughs> no and, pressure. And
1: I was, you know, so I was working a job and trying to start this business at the same time when he came along. Mm -hmm. It was chaos. That was a dark Uh, time in a lot of ways. School does provide structure for the independent worker. Like my kids are on summer break now and it's chaotic at the house and, you know, they want to like play in the sprinkler in the backyard, but I got to record and my office is in the backyard. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh yeah, when everyone's at school, it's really quiet around here. And there's pros and cons to that, but it's, you have to get used to the rhythm of it and, it does do a good job at providing bookends for my day. Like during the school year, they're out the door. Mary takes them to school, and I know that I have X number of hours before they come home. And when they come home, I try to spend some time with them, and before I go back to work, to kind of finish up the day. And uh, the summer, all that gets stripped away, and it's it's kind of frustrating, but it's also really nice. It's, uh, you, there's pros and cons to, to each part of the cycle, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm just bummed that you know, the things that we can do on a weekday, like even this tractor museum idea, like not to say that there's that many people that are going to the tractor museum and, you know, the South side of Richmond on a, on a daily bear on the weekend, even.
1: I mean, it's been on my bucket list for years. I hope I see it before I die.
0: I, I hope, I really hope so. Cause then you'll visit me. But anyway, uh, the point is, you know, this is, it's a silly example, assumption. but still, what if I just
1: come to the tractor museum?
0: <laughs> oh, ooh, brutal, brutal. That's how it is. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but you know, it's something silly like that. Like we wouldn't be able to go to the tractor museum on a Wednesday morning if Declan was in kindergarten, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just, I, I'm a little bit bummed and I almost feel like I'm going to get a ball and chain when he goes to school because suddenly, you know, all of the freedom that, that independent life has brought upon our family, that, To some degree is going to be taken away, at least for Declan and thus for like all of us as a unit. And so I'm a little sad about that. But overall, I I don't want to lose sight of the fact that I get to wake up and see my kids, which pretty much everyone does, but I get to wake up, see my kids and then I don't have to say, okay, goodbye. I'll see you in eight hours or nine hours. Mm -hmm. I get to say, you know, I'll see you in a few hours or, you know, come pop in if you need something. And, and if I choose to leave the house to, because it's easier for me to do work somewhere else, like that's a choice. It's not a, it's not an obligation. And and that is mm-hmm. extraordinarily awesome. And I cannot thank the listeners of ATP and analog enough. And particularly the, the members of, of relay FM and analog, uh, you find men and women, especially it's because of you that, that this is possible. So thank you.
1: Well, so, uh, Thumbs up on your first year, it sounds like. Oh yeah,
0: big time. Two very, very emphatic thumbs up.
1: What do you think, uh, I mean, we talked about school changing. What sort of projects do you think year two may hold?
0: Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, You know, I think vignette for the near term uh, is going to be the remainder of 2019. I hope that I'll have something new in 2020. But like I said, I don't sitting here now have any particular ideas. Something I've been considering uh, is trying to put together some sort of instructive, like Mac Sparky style course on maybe Swift UI and or combine, which is a you've been
1: you've been blogging a lot about it, which I really like,
0: yeah, thank you. Uh, for now, I'm just giving it away because it's just kind of my initial thoughts. I'm just kind of throwing stuff against the wall. But, I've been kicking around the idea of doing like a Linda style or Max Sparky style course on combine and Swift UI. Of course, that requires me to become an expert on those things, which is difficult since they've been available for two weeks. But nevertheless, you know, I've been thinking about doing something like that. Um, if you're not familiar, my experience as a developer with this other particular project called RxSwift lends itself to combine, which is a new uh, thing that Apple has just released because they're very similar, different in important ways, but very similar in the grand scheme of things. And so I've been thinking about doing something like that. Again, I'll probably do a little bit of car videos here and there because I do think it's a useful skill to have. I think it scratches a creative itch. I don't usually get to scratch, but it certainly does not put much in my wallet, which means it's not something I can spend a whole lot of time on in the grand scheme of things. But I don't know. I just... I hope that I can find other projects, be it, you know, iOS apps or be it something else to keep me busy. Aaron and I have been really, really kicking around the idea of doing some sort of podcast together, but we haven't come up with any particularly good shtick behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think I've mentioned that on the show before. Like, you know, I, I think it would be fun to do something with Aaron and it would be cool to, to force myself to learn how to properly edit a show because I've never used Logic. I don't have Logic. I've never used Ferrite. You know, I don't really mm-hmm. know how to edit a show, which sounds silly, but I really, I've never had to, it's always been you guys, or, you know, it's been Marco or Mike or, or Jim Metzendorf for you or someone that's always done it. So I've never been, I've never had the reason or the need to do it. So I would love to like get involved and create a, a, a new podcast for either me and Aaron or me and someone else or just me. I don't even know. But again, sitting here now, I don't have any specific thoughts in mind, but we'll see. But I mean, I, at this point, I'm just hopeful that, you know, I've, I've got year one, you know, I've got it. Uh, you know, the notch on the belt or whatever the turn of phrase is. I've got that accomplished. So I hope that a year from today, I can still say indie life is good. And you know, I haven't, I haven't had to start interviewing or anything like that. So here's hoping.
1: All right, we're gonna do some relay. Our feels, relay your feels, relay my feels. I don't know <laughs> all but, the above. uh All the above. But first, I want to tell you about our final sponsor, and that is our friends over at Squarespace make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name an award winning collection of templates and more. So you're thinking about your project list. Maybe you want a portfolio to show off your work and then maybe you want to store so people can buy that work, but then you also want a blog so you can write about the process, how that work came to be where Squarespace is a platform, the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of those things. And, uh, That means there's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. No upgrades are needed. You don't have to worry worry about that sort of stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. If you have any questions, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. Their system allows you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Just this past weekend, saw some family. And uh, one of my family members has... Uh, Someone else in their life is working on starting up a new small nonprofit. They're going to do some work and they have a really simple website and they wanted some feedback on it. And, you know, I kind of looked through it, gave them some ideas and, uh, and then I, you know, I kind of poked around and realized that they had built it on Squarespace. I didn't tell them to do that. They knew that it was the place to go. And I knew that the recommendations I made were going to be really easy for them to make on their own because Squarespace editor online makes adding content, changing content, even changing visual layout really simple. So now they're equipped with some new ideas to go improve their site. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com analog. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code analog to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com analog and the code analog to get 10% off your first purchase i'd like to thank squarespace for the support of this show and all of relay fm squarespace make your next move make your next website
0: all right let's relay some feels and paul would beep, like beep, to know beep, beep,
1: beep. oh that's the wrong show <laughs> come on man pay oh, attention oh man <laughs>
0: what does what does the emotional workload feel like being at wwdc is it emotionally draining or emotionally uplifting how do you feel about that Stephen?
1: both uh, I move very quickly between the two, you know, meeting people, being on stage, all that's really fun, but there's so much behind the scenes stuff that can just be really, uh, tiring. And, you know, you and I had a, a, a conversation that I, I apologize for. I got a little frustrated, uh, with some people, uh, during an event. And I think that came out of, it's sort of emotionally draining to kind of keep all the uh, all the plate spinning during WWDC, you know, Relay puts out a lot of content that week. It's sort of the Super Bowl for Apple nerds, and uh, a lot goes into that. And that's sort of my end of the business. And so sometimes it gets the best of me. It, it did that particular conversation that you and I had. Um, and uh, but at the same time, I'm always really proud of what the network produces that week, and not not at all limited to what I do. I mean, we had so many people doing so many great things. At WWDC, we had three shows: Upgrade, MPU, and Parallel. With access to Apple for interviews, of course. Federico had his excellent interview with Craig Federighi at App Stories, and even though App Stories isn't on Relay, it's part of the Relay family in a way, and all that's so rewarding. But but boy, getting all that sausage made can be can be exhausting.
0: Yeah, you know, I've always struggled to figure out how to describe myself. Am I an extrovert, an introvert, or both? An omnivore? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a thing. And I don't know, I find, I find being at WWDC mostly to be extremely uplifting. I really enjoy being able to meet with listeners. I of course love being able to see my friends like you that I don't get to see nearly often enough. Um, in fact, I was just telling someone the other day that I, I frequently think to myself, you know, Virginia and Tennessee share a border. Surely it can't be that far to drive to Steven. And then I forget, and I've forgotten—I've forgotten—you know—the last time I looked it up, how far it is. And then I look it up again, and I don't remember the number, but it's something like eight to sixteen hours or something
1: like that. Because mm-hmm. you are
0: on the opposite side of Tennessee from us. And Stephen, I don't know if you knew this, but Tennessee is a very wide state. Turns it out it is
1: a very wide, a very, very wide state
0: indeed. So anyway, but I bring this up because I constantly think to myself, like, you—you you can't be that far away. I should just drive, you know, maybe the whole Twelve, family, maybe 12 just twelve-hour drive,
1: twelve-hour uh, drive.
0: That's significant. So I think to myself, I'll just drive and visit Stephen for a weekend or something like that, and then I see twelve hours. Eh, I don't know if I'm going to be doing that after yeah. all. As you've, <laughs> made, you've made this joke many times, but I should probably just you know lock myself in a uh, box and FedEx myself to you. It's but, really um, quick. It would be very quick and very expensive. But anyways, uh, but to come back to the point, I I do love seeing my friends, and I do love you know meeting with listeners, and I love the conference. You know, I've been lucky to every year from 2011 till now. You know, starting in 2011. Only once have I not gotten a ticket. I've been crazy lucky, and I really enjoy going to the conference. And this year, I went more than I have the last couple of years because last couple of years I'm in and out because I'm meeting with people, you know, or or whatever the case may be. But this year was a really pivotal year, and so I was able to to take in a lot of these sessions in person, talk with Apple people in person, which was great. And so for that, it's very uplifting. But it's also absolutely. I don't know if it's as much emotionally draining to me, but it is physically exhausting because I'm on mm-hmm. three hours off my home time zone. I'm also staying up later than I normally would. And and, I'm, and that's even worse, given the time difference. I'm staying up later than I normally would. I'm, I'm drinking more than I generally do, which, of course, is a personal choice. I'm not trying to say that it's like happening to me. I'm just saying, you know, you're with your <laughs> friends. You want to you want to have some fun. Um, I'm shouting constantly, which is. Really bad when you're a podcaster. Like, I don't know how you guys wait until Wednesday to do your show. I'm so glad that we have <laughs> kind of peed on Monday night, if you will, and claimed it as our own. But mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, but it, it, it's physically just draining for me. And the travel is not fun. I don't particularly enjoy air travel. There's no easy way to get to San Jose from where I am. So in that sense, it's tough, but but emotionally, I personally find it to generally speaking be very uplifting, and I think that's in no small part because I don't have all of those shows, an entire network worth of shows, to worry about. Where this is like your do or die week for Relay, and and if I was in your shoes, I would be such a turd. I would be, I would, no one would want to be around me because I would be way too stressed. So you handle it much better than you give yourself credit for.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right, up next we have a question from a living spirit. How do you think sharing your thoughts and feelings to a public audience affects your quality of life? I feel like we we touched on this earlier, but I'm glad it's in here. I find like the answer before it, it varies on what it is. So I use writing in particular to process thoughts and feelings. And I used to publish more of that sort of thing. I publish less of it now. Most of it ends up in day one. But what I'm always struck by when I, when I do this sort of like thoughts and feelings thing, like beyond the Apple coverage, like, you know, kind of like real life things. I usually walk away from that encouraged by something that a listener or a reader has shared with me. So like when I share about cancer in my family, I hear from people who have gone through it and who have wisdom to give me from their experience or even just like empathy, right? Of, Hey, I'm there too. I've been there. You know, that, is always uplifting and and, and positive. Uh, but at the same time, I do feel like at times there's a sense of I've shared something and now it's not mine anymore. And and that's sort of weird. I don't know if I have a good example of that offhand, but there's sort of a thing to it. Like if you release something into the world, uh, if you've let it go, then it, it may not come back to you. And that's sort of a, a weird thing. You know, I, I do a lot of writing it's extremely personal that I don't share for that reason, because I don't want it to be anyone else's.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And, you know, I think it, it has its good sides and bad sides, putting your thoughts online. And, you know, I think far too often I'll allow myself to tweet a hot take and then let myself get embroiled in some sort of like pissing match about that hot take, which is just not healthy. And I was going to say constructive, but it's not healthy. Uh, And that's, again, just like drinking at WWDC, like that's a self-created problem, but it's still a problem. Um, But some of the stuff that you would think would be either the worst or most difficult or what have you, like particularly the post about Declan uh, from way back when in 2014, in May of 2014 um, that has gotten so much mileage in the happy sense that I have had to this day, I'll have somebody, somebody say to me, you know, in person, which happened uh, last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was that we were in San Jose, it's such a blur two weeks ago. Um, I'll have somebody say to me, you know, I really appreciated that post. We were going through something similar and it really meant a lot to me. Um, and, and I'll get emails periodically, you know, five years later saying, I really appreciate this. It really helped me. And in that sense, I, I am so unbelievably glad that I shared it and so unbelievably thankful that it's, that it struck a chord with as many people as it seems to have have affected. Um, mm. and so in that sense, it's brought tremendous and a tremendous improvement to my quality of life. It's gotten it out in the open. It's helped me help people, you know, it's made me feel really good. So there's definitely, you know, you win some, you lose some, but, uh, yeah, but I, I think I'll probably continue, I would probably continue doing something like that. You know, I I don't, I don't plan on putting my, you know, inner most inner thoughts and feelings online often, but as the, as the opportunity arises, I I think it will happen.
1: Mm -hmm. Brad, the champion asks, what kind of conversation do you instantly mute on Twitter?
0: Ooh, it's, I don't often mute conversations as much as I'll mute people. Like if I, mm-hmm. if I say something and somebody's coming at me with a well, actually, that's clearly not in good spirit. Like there's good spirited. Well, actually, although they're few and far between, and they're, you know, people who are being turds just for the sake of being turds. And I have gotten pretty quick with the either mute and or block finger, if you will, uh, my trigger finger for muting and blocking has gotten really twitchy uh, over the years. And typically, it's just somebody who's, who's clearly just trying to be a jerk for the sake of being a jerk, and that's when I'm hit. You know, that's when I'm pulling that trigger.
1: Yeah, I think mine's really similar. Uh, I think the the only thing I would add to that is if I am tempted to to reply back in an argument, that is a signal to me that I need to Ooh, mute that mm-hmm, person or the mm-hmm. conversation and delete my draft. And <laughs> I've gotten much better at this over the years because, look, arguing with someone on Twitter, a Three things. One, it does not change their mind, right? Two, I'm dragging any people who may follow both of us into something they don't probably want to see. And with as many followers as you and I have, that's a real likelihood. Mm-hmm. And three, I am letting someone I disagree with who I don't know take time and energy from me. And uh, I'm just tired of that. So I still look at my at replies. I still you know talk to people on Twitter. But if someone... You know, like if I tweet something and someone replies in disagreement, nine times out of 10, I'm just not going to respond. Not because I don't want to have a conversation, but just I don't want it to, to do, you know, trigger one of those three things that I listed. So uh, I'm much better at this than I was even a couple of years ago. And, and two, like the thing that helps me with this, even though it's kind of related is like, I've deleted my entire tweet history a couple of times and and thinking about the sheer number of tweets that I've sent into the great unknown, how many of those were, were replies or threads I jumped in on that I shouldn't have? And that mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. made me think. And, um, you know, since uh, blowing my Twitter account away uh, most recently, I think was in the spring, I feel like there's far fewer tweets uh, a day because I'm, I'm putting this into practice much more.
0: Yeah, I've noticed myself um, I definitely am still a much more of a Twitter addict than I should be but I I feel like I'm tweeting far less often and I'm much better at deleting the draft as you had said rather mm-hmm. than hitting the tweet button and and I think the the better I get at that the more healthy it is it is for me definitely Um, we are running long but this next question is tremendous actually I like the next two so we're going to have to try to make it quick because they're so good uh, Andrew asks what cars would you most like to buy for each other I did not see this until just a moment ago so I don't have a good answer. But I think for my enjoyment, I think I would want to get you like a Miata or like a mini or maybe even a like a GTI or a Golf R just because I, I would love mm-hmm. to see you in something that's kind of the opposite of what you currently drive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> which is a pickup truck for those keeping, keeping up with.
0: Yeah. So which is very much the opposite of a pickup. Uh, but if I was doing it in a friendly way for your enjoyment, I think I would get you a very lightly ruined like seventies era Bronco. So it's Mm -hmm. not that it's like, it's not that it's a destroyed piece of garbage. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, it needs a little bit of work. Cause I think you would enjoy doing a little bit of work, but I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you would want like a complete, You know, needs to go down to the frame and be rebuilt, you know, frame up sort of scenario. I don't think you have the time or the energy for that. So selfish answer, something like my car, just because I think it would be funny. Unselfish answer, like an older Bronco that needs just a little, just a little bit of love.
1: Yeah, I'll put a link to the Ford Bronco in the show notes. The first generation is what we're talking about. And a GTI has been on my shopping list before. When I bought um, the Corolla I had before this, I went the Corolla for budgetary reasons. But a, G- a GTI was on my list, and I just couldn't make it happen. But uh, I-, I still want, at some point, to have a, a hot hatch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer for you is purely based out of my desire to troll you. <laughs> there is in the show notes. This is a 1,000-horsepower Honda Odyssey. This is uh,
0: insane. So Honda Odyssey is a minivan, at least here in the United States. And it is like the standard issue minivan. In fact, there have have been times that I didn't have the chance to take a picture, but there have been times at preschool drop-off, which is typically my job, that there would be literally four or five Honda Odysseys of various eras lined up next to each other in adjacent parking spots. So it is like the standard issue family car here in the United Mm -hmm. States. This one, though, a little different.
1: Thousand horsepower. Uh it does crazy burnouts. It's ridiculous. And uh, I know you like fast cars, but I know with a growing family, you need a minivan. So this, uh, checks both boxes. Yeah. I think it's uh, only
0: reasonable. How could I not?
1: It's a great way to be in a terrible accident. Seriously. Um, All right. We'll, we'll, we'll wind this up with a question from, uh, Michael. What is your favorite trinket on your desk? So I love like trinkets and toys, like Looking at my desk left to right behind my display, there's all sorts of stuff. And if you you know, you know see that in the background of my videos and pictures and stuff, uh, I have two. One, I have a Lego car that I built with my brother when we were like five years old. Aww. And it's a car that has like sweet exhaust, but also has skis on it because that was a thing you do when you're five. <laughs> right. And uh, when I got like the, you know, my mom moved last year and she was like, all right, you got to take the Legos out of your attic. time for your kids to have them. And uh, this car was intact just about in like the top of the box. And uh, so it's on my desk I like that because you know, my brother and I did it. And it reminds me of like being a kid. And, and um, But I also have a Hot Wheels model of a Toyota truck from about the same age. And uh, I think this is the Hot Wheels why I bought my Tacoma because it's like a realization of that childhood dream. Um, you know, I like a lot of stuff. And then, of course, I'm legally obligated to mention the Relay FM Challenge coin here. It's also very good.
0: So. And heavy. I'd, I'd never handled one until uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Those things are surprisingly heavy. You can probably kill a man with one of those. Um, you know, on my desk, my desk is always a mess. Despite my attempts to keep it clean, I just never succeed. One of the only trinkets on my desk that survives, you know, the purges that happen once every couple of months. And uh, I'm saying this not because of my audience, but because I really mean it. Um, one of the only things that has survived the purges is, I don't know how you, what you guys called it, but the relay, key, well, it's not really a cube. It's a relay yep. block. Um, so this is a piece of wood, and jump in, Stephen, when you're ready. It's a piece of wood. Here's mine. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's a piece of wood that has relay logo, I guess like laser etched into it. Yep. Is that fair? Okay. Yep, laser etched. And it's not you know remarkable in and of itself, but it sits right on top of my USB Pre-2, which is my uh, amplifier for my microphone or whatever you call it, my, my interface for my microphone. And it's been there since I've received this, and coincidentally, my Relay FM uh, Space Pen is also on my desk. But the the block in particular, I don't know what it is. It's just so simple and clean, and, and I like it. And it makes me feel. It reminds me of being part of the Relay family, which really means a lot to me. As silly as that may sound, that you know, I really feel like in a lot of ways, especially over the last couple of years when we've had a bunch of occasion to get together which is mostly mike's fault uh, between the bachelor party and the wedding i really do feel like relay is a family more than ever before and so i like having that little trinket mm-hmm. that kind of reminds me of my family that just sits there every day
1: yeah every every year we send out uh, gifts to hosts and people who you know are important to the network people who you know work for us or, or are involved somehow and uh, that that was the very first one uh, i think And yeah, it's I I like to see those show up in pictures of people's desks because people keep them out. And of course, people who have joined the the network since then don't have them. We've given other things out over the years. But yeah, that's that's something it's on my desk. Uh, Actually, the right behind that Lego car I mentioned. So always present.
0: All righty. Stephen Hackett, thank you so much for uh, filling in for Mike. That was an unexpected uh, pleasure. I mean, uh, wait, Mike might listen to this. It was devastating that Mike wasn't here. Mm-hmm. and I'm so yeah. sorry, but uh, <laughs> no, it was an unexpected pleasure. I really do appreciate you sitting in and uh, it is always, you know, I, I don't ever want to be uh, to tell Mike that he shouldn't be a part of the show or anything like that, but it is, it is a rare uh, but enjoyable surprise when you have an excuse to come sit in. So I am very glad you were able to, and I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, always glad to. I enjoy, uh, Hanging out, so yeah, I think uh, I think that about does it. All right. Uh, well,
0: I guess this is where we could do the connected style sign off.
1: Oh, I can do it. Oh, I've got this down. Okay. If you want to find show notes this week, the things we spoke about, they're on the web relay.fm/slash/analog/slash/one fifty nine. While you're there, you can send an email with feedback or follow up, or you can do so on Twitter. You can find Casey there at Casey lists, Mike, who is not here, but you can also find him on Twitter. He is I M Y. KE, and you can find me there as ISMH. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week who made this show possible, Linode, KiwiCo, and Squarespace. And until next time, Casey Liss, say goodbye. See you later.
0: Adios. I don't know if I like See You Later. I just It was the one that came out. I didn't have enough time mm. to think about it. Oh, man. That's hard. It's hard. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it.